Happy Tuesday, everyone. This is your host, Julie Townsend, and you're listening to Downtown Dish. And I have a very special guest, so I'm going to just promo one little event that's happening that's a very big event, actually. It's first Friday, our Cinco de Mayo uh, celebration on Friday, May 5th. And uh, wanted to make sure that we plugged that event, but I'm going to forego talking about all the other events because we have a very busy schedule ahead of us. Uh, our guest today is Mayor Mutz. Welcome, Mayor. It's great to be here. So I wanted to give him as much time as possible because I have lots of questions for him. There's all <laughs> we'll open up. He's on the hot seat, and uh, so you'll want to hear all of my questions for Mayor Mutz today. So yeah, we just figured it's been about a year since you joined me on this show, and I wanted to sort of uh, get a recap or of of things that are important to you and things that are uh, important to me, of course. Yes, yes, that matters. Well, and those overlap. You know. <laughs> That's true. We are a Venn diagram. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so let's get right to it. Um, so we're going to talk about a, a bunch of different subjects, but we want to um, maybe just sort of start off with one of the topics that's been in the news recently, which are the changes at RP funding. Yeah, the, those are good changes overall. And I know there's a lot of sentiment um, that can become negative in this regard, but this is the result of the commission really wanting RP funding to not have such an economic drag on our tax base so we could reutilize what really was formerly $6 million of loss uh, and re-divert it into pr more productive uses because it's hard for us to find when we don't raise millage and we hold that as tightly as we can dollars that are available to do some of the things we need to do in this incredible growth period that we have. So how can we switch from some of the events we've had to more of a rental uh, arena and both the Magic and the Tropics who were tenants that we have had for five years plus mm -hmm. uh, were negative contributors in total profitability to the RP Funding Center. So they're part of what we were subvening. So when we looked for ways to be able to increase those rents so that they could pay for themselves, that was less tenable to both of them. Right. Yeah. And that's that's a hard, that's, you know, that's some harsh reality. You just said there that they weren't contributing to the profitability. That's a that's a that's a hard thing to say, but it's the reality. And, you know, shame on us for not going to more games. Well, and so that's the real issue. If 2,000 people kind of show up for each of those events as maybe the average, and that could even be on the high side of the mm -hmm. average, um, that's about what we have in terms of interest at the present time. So what could we do to make those more exciting? So I think there's a possibility the tropics might reconsider that, and we want to continue to pursue that with them. For Magic, it was not one. And it opens up for us the opportunity in those dates to be able to have much more profitable opportunities and lease freedom with other tenants that we can have along the way. Uh, I, th I There's benefits that the tropics provide besides just their rental of the center. They also do youth sports, and that has been a nice in mm -hmm. input in our community. And and um, so there's reason for us to sit down and look at that. And by the way, we have parks. They don't contribute dollars. Parks mm -hmm. cost us money. Golf, That's right. Golf costs us money. Um, uh, swim pools cost us money. But they right. are part of the amenities you want in the city. So we are not saying that we don't want to balance that reality. We do. But we just want to make sure that we are – taking the people who have an enterprise opportunity to share in the cost of those things. And so that would take our loss for the RP Funding Center to maybe where it's neutral. Yeah, neutral loss. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. 
Yeah, I mean, what are the what are the kind of events or or programming that you're looking to pursue to sort of replace those? So many of the things that we had to turn down because hmm. we had dates in between where we couldn't run them. So um, we have a lot of high school events mm. we, and we have uh, events that come to an area and come through that can pay and will pay a fixed rent and that we know what that is. Instead of sharing a loss speculatively, bringing mm. in an entertainment group that we hoped the tickets will sell, but we don't know. And then we guarantee the loss on those groups. Right. That's what we're moving from. And so I, I'm encouraged by that. I, I see us through on RP funding center. We're going to try and use it to divert our, monies in a more responsible way while we continue to use the center well. RP funding is a great asset to our city. It will continue to be one, and it's one we want to see be very successful. Well, that's all good. Uh, I think that's a that's a, a nice uh, wrap-up of, of that situation. I know a lot of people were up in arms about it, um, and uh, and I think that, you know, it's a sound business decision. So right. kudos, good. Good, kudos good. To, to you guys for – for uh, taking that hard path, because that was a hard path. Um, and thanks for the magic for being here. I mean, we, you know, they tried. They gave us a shot as Lakeland, and and um, no you know, question. Like I said, shame on all of us for mm-hmm. for not supporting that better. The the few games that I did attend, which I'm one of those, shame on me. But uh, certainly, I mean, it was very entertaining. You They're very fond of going quality to, right? quality basketball. So, but, but the reality is, the numbers play the music. They do, and and so if people don't come. Then, right. they, then things can't sustain. Exactly. All right. So I know this subject is near and dear to your heart. And uh, so uh, housing obviously is a big issue with the growth that we have here in Lakeland. It's just uh, exponential, it seems like. And um, I don't think we're – I don't know if we're keeping up with – with the people who are moving here with the, with the housing. So, so what's, we, we, what's we have front? a lot of challenges here and as does the nation, as you know, but the thing we have to look at with housing is you have to have enough of it, particularly in the rental arena or rents continue to go up because you don't have enough of it. Right. So there is a balance then too of bringing in investors who want to build multifamily, knowing that maybe the rents are going to come to an area where they're peaking a little bit mm-hmm. while we still have this high increase in the cost of supplies for construction. So we have some projects that have already been approved that have not broken ground yet. And we anticipate that is because there's some uh, hope of seeing costs plateauing. And at the time they start to plateau or maybe even go down a little on the supply side that we'll see that happen. There's other projects we're still working hard on. We need to have at least 1,200 more apartment units downtown. And so we're in the process of trying to build that number, and we have very real candidates and places to put that. Some of that has to coordinate in its timing with our whole West Trunk Line in mm-hmm. terms of this sewage infrastructure that we have in place. But most of these projects take a couple of years to get out of the ground. Right. So we we think we can have made the concurrent headway, <laughs> and and um and, you know everything can connect literally at a point in time that that happens because it does take a lot of time. By the time you do all the work that has to go into the ground, and then you know building the properties, and then getting them leased. Uh, so we're very excited about what that can mean downtown. I know that sometimes we will hear people talk about how they don't want to see Lakeland grow. and, and <laughs> Too bad. I, 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 it's an inevitability. <laughs> and so we are not in a place where we can't grow. So it's right. very, very important that we grow responsibly and that we do it in right ways and that we try and be smart about that growth. 
And that's what we're working on. Yeah, I mean, there's just no avoiding that at all. When you say 1,200, are you talking about additional on top of what's already been sort of announced and proposed, even though it hasn't broken ground? Are you including that includes what's broken, may have broken ground, but has, but and have been some have been discussed and some haven't. We we can put. I'll just give numbers. You know, we can put 500 around the ledger. We'd like to get Mm -hmm. those apartments in and going. Uh, we're, you know, we broke, we have announced the ones on Lake Wire, which is going to be nice on the on north side of that. We have the units going in on the Carter uh, property going up, and we'll have 30,000 square feet of retail space that's going to be very connecting. And I think that's part of the other thing. You really want to think about trying to bridge Lakeland from RP Funding Center on a walkability or bikeable basis um, all the way over to Ingram. And, right. and that that becomes really our, our downtown area in a long string that we can do a lot along the way that will be super exciting right on the north side of the building where we're recording, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Well, we definitely want to talk more about downtown, of course, but we do want to talk broader about affordable housing and other projects that may be happening throughout uh, the city and and some some of the challenges uh, of that. And maybe there are some opportunities as well. So stick with us. We'll continue our conversation with Mayor Mutz when we return. And we're back. You're listening to Downtown Dish. I'm your host, Julie Townsend. My guest today is Honorable Mayor Mutz. And we are talking about all things Lakeland, but a little bit of downtown because, you know, that's near and dear to my heart. We were just talking about, uh, of course, growth and how it's inevitable and we can't stop it, but we can certainly plan better for it. And that's what I think our city leaders are uh, uh, commissioned to do. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, so we were talking about all the uh, multifamily that we're hoping to come to downtown. We have a lot of it already announced. Um, We certainly want more of that. In my opinion, uh, we want lots more people living downtown that will make uh, the retails and retail and restaurants uh, thrive and and have more and make it more uh, walkable. And as you said before the break, Mayor, we really do want people to think of downtown as not just the few blocks around Munn Park, but all the way from the Lake Wire uh, projects that will come out of the ground hopefully in the next year or so, all the way to Ingram. Correct. And and that's going to be an exciting thing. And it's not a long distance to walk. It's not. <laughs> it's it's really fun when you you kind of think about it. We get so oriented to driving, you know, that we and parking and immediately next to something. So along the way, we have to have parking, and we're going to have parking for those kinds of things. But much more, we'll have an opportunity to have pedestrian and bike traffic that uh, works through those areas, and a little bit more European in the process of that. And that mm-hmm. won't that won't hurt anything. Uh, Bonnet Springs Park, for those of you who have not gone to that yet, what an unbelievable facility. And it's in its infancy. Right. You know, that that's going to grow. The word has not really gotten out right, about right. it yet. <laughs> um, I, I think there have been um, uh, 800,000 people that mm. they have talked have gone mm-hmm. since they've opened. Well, think about that. That's just an incredible number for uh, something that doesn't have a ride in it. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if we were in, in central Florida, you would think you'd have a ride. But let's go to affordable <laughs> housing because that's one of the other things we have pushed really hard on in the last six years is how many units can we really get in and build and where can we find it? Because they involve so much grant funding, both at the state and federal level 
as well as grants that we do locally, as well as lotteries that have access to some of that grant money. Mm -hmm. And we have taken the grant money finally and gotten it, which is called the Sadowski Fund that comes out of a trust fund, and gotten it 100% released for affordable housing instead of borrowed against by the legislature in the past to make the budget stay more robust. Mm. Um, but they reduced the amount of the transaction by half. Uh, so the transaction, so the transaction the <laughs> is not as robust as it used to be. But we still have 100% availability of whatever that trust fund comes. Then that's divided up, and a lottery makes it possible. And so an affordable housing builder really has a lot of complications. They have the cost that they would normally have of building any project. Then they have to ascertain how many dollars of grants can they earn against this project. And there are points that give you a higher probability in the lottery if you provide more services. So if you have a healthcare service, mm. you know, that can give you some mm -hmm. more points. And so we're really trying to align ourselves with the most mission-minded affordable housing providers because they also have the highest chance not only of, of um, uh, doing services for people, which we want to have be in them, but uh, of getting a lottery points to win them and win right. those dollars. And so uh, we're over a thousand units in, since we started in terms of by the time we're built out with what's on the books today. Uh, this is over the last six year period, which is more affordable housing. We did almost, we just did a little more than 200 in, the, in a decade prior to that. Mm -hmm. So we really hadn't done much in this area where we're all competing nationally for these dollars today. You have to think about work uh, housing at all the different levels. So affordable housing allows people who have are below average mean income to be able to have a place to rent and have stability in their lives. Then we do workforce housing as their careers grow and as they ha have an opportunity to make more money to buy their first home. And so those are shorter lots, you know, tighter neighborhoods. And we're working on workforce housing in two areas right now. Neither one of those projects out of the ground yet, mm. and um, but but that's the next step. And then you work into middle-priced uh, neighborhoods and higher-priced neighborhoods as part of the way you have offerings for your people. Because when people come to a city, they want to see that there's um, not only uh, job opportunities, and we project to that we'll have more than 40,000 additional jobs in the Lakeland area by 2050 than they exist today. Mm. And so where are those people going to live? And you can't do it later. And right. what water are they going to drink? So we're working on that in the right. regional water cooperative. And then what kind of amenities do they have? So even the YMCA is stepping up and, you know, mm. they're doing a new project on uh, the, they're uh, getting approved, which will be a $21 million addition on their Cleveland Heights location on that front park. Yeah. Lot. Yeah. And, and that's all part of being a community. So it's the parks, right? It's the, uh, recreational facilities, you know, it's the uh, uh, places that you can um, uh, access because we're near other cities. And that all makes Lakeland a wonderful place to live in. Part of what we know is going to happen in the next decade is a lot of IT growth. And so we want a lot of that IT living density mm -hmm. and those jobs downtown. Right. Well, so how much time, I mean, you guys do a lot. Uh, and I guess my question, I have a lot of questions in my head, but I want to, what did you think this job was going to be like when you first <laughs> decided you were going to, did you think you were going to be talking about all of these different issues? I mean, it's, it's pretty time consuming. Oh, it's very, it's very time consuming. I would <laughs> it's agree not with a part-time job. It, it, it used to be a part-time job. That's not, you can't sustain the growth we have and contribute the, enough knowledge and value to both the commission as well as staff today, in my opinion, mm -hmm. unless you are spending, you know, a sub 
a 50-hour week is a pretty standard week. Mm -hmm. And so this was probably a job, you know, two decades ago that could be a 10 to 12-hour a week job. That's the difference is the intensities are so great. Right. Not only in complications of how things get funded, but in the growth that we have to sustain, what businesses do we attract, how do we bring those CEOs in and entertain them at night and make them see Lakeland Mm -hmm. as a place that they'd want to come. How do we can sustain that while they find a place to be able to put their business in the right kinds of incentives for those, for that growth. So we have to be doing that on the one hand, which means they've got to be able to see housing. And and we also have to have housing be affordable by having enough of it because it's a supply and demand curve. And so I would say that looking at it originally, it's it's more complicated (laughs) than I anticipated. I, I enjoy it. I also think it's why, it's very, very important to have um, some business background skills mm-hmm. in the execution of it because you don't want to be caught with that absence of ability right. plus these kinds of demands. Yeah, definitely. Well, appreciate your service, it's sir. My returnment. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So we talked about affordable housing. I know we could probably make a whole show about that because I had Gene Strickland as a guest um uh, you know, he's done a great job at some time last year mm-hmm. and Midtown Lofts, I think, was one of his yes. projects, wasn't yes. it? Yes. And uh, I, I really learned a lot if, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's still out there on the on the blogosphere or the the uh, podcast world. But it was an interesting conversation about just how the lottery system works and how, you know, we couldn't build 10 projects of affordable housing, even if we wanted to, because of the, you know, unless it was just someone who just wanted to do it out of the kindness of their heart. Correct. But in terms of actually being able to uh, pay for it, we don't even have the ability to win that many lottery Correct. tickets. <laughs> for a, a dollar that we invest as a city in affordable housing, if you match it with everything, comes out to be about 27 bucks. Mm-hmm. By the time you get done, for that can go into a project. So there's huge leverage in this. Yeah. And you have places for people to live. Yeah. Uh, Gene does a great job. He works alongside a company called Green Mills, and they do wonderful product. And Blue Sky, which is our those are our two big affordable housing builders. And then we welcome any others that have that same kind of missional desire. Excellent. All right. Well, we're going to have a few other topics that we're going to talk about. I know we're going to uh, have to go to break here in just a moment. So I'll tease everyone. Um, we're going to talk about Mun Park some, and we're going to talk about the issues surrounding Mun Park, not just the design. Um, the thought of, of reimagining it, but the challenges around that. And um, you wanted to talk about mold, you said. So that'll be an interesting, mm-hmm. we'll talk about mold. And, and we're not talking about uh, the kinds that you eat, like blue cheese, right? We're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the only good mold around. <laughs> and then um, something that I want to talk to you about is the the noise ordinance in our city. So I've got some issues there. So stick with us and we'll continue our conversation with Mayor Mutz. Thanks for sticking with us. You're listening to Downtown Dish. Our guest today is Honorable Mayor Mutz and we are talking about all kinds of topics around Lakeland, and uh, now we're going to sort of focus in a little bit on what's near and dear to my heart, which is, of course, downtown Lakeland and the Munn Park area. So I know that years ago, uh, LDDA came to you guys and had some crazy ideas for Munn Park, and some of those... You know how they are. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They're representative, too. She's a hoot. Yes, she Um, is. So they... So, yeah, we came came and and had some ideas, and, and... 
uh, I, you know, to the to the credit of the commission and particularly the city manager, actually, mm-hmm. for, you know, following through on the drip lights and things like that. And people, you know, really loved the changes with the lights. And we did uh, parklets. And, and so we've done some great things in downtown. And um, but, you know, Mun Park is one of those places that's a challenge. And uh, so you guys as a as a city, as the city leaders and, and the city manager sort of um, and Bob Donahue with Parks and Rec kind of spearheaded the idea of let's get some ideas about what we might do differently in Mun Park. I don't really know if they've. Have they presented the, the results of that to you guys yet? They haven't, and we're going to do a little more community Slow. input that yeah. I, and, and some ideations that aren't included yet uh, in the process of that, which um, I think I want to zoom out for a second because LDDA and Julie does a fabulous job, by the way, of uh, directing this organization. Is such a key component, the Lakeland Downtown Development um, Authority, is such a key component to making certain that um, – our downtown vendors' needs are heard, that they're appropriately doing the things they ought to do. It is a kind of policing force in and of itself, <laughs> and, and you do a wonderful job. And it is it – is, you, you can laugh because you have to do it all the time, but it is hard work, and, yeah. um, and it's done I agree. Fully. It is hard. It, it's hard work, <laughs> and it's hard work to do – you know, first Friday and and to make um, farmer's market work. So all that stuff is in that responsibility. But then in addition, zoom out and you think about downtown, that's our third space as citizens in our city. That's mm-hmm. our place to go play. Now, certainly we do that in other areas across the city and we sure. do it in certain places that we shop and other parks that we visit. But downtown kind of becomes the living room for all of us. And that's why the focus on Munn Park and certainly some of the homeless issues that we have in it, as well as the activities that we could be using it for and perhaps are not, becomes central to the rest of our discussions. Do we take and block off streets? You know, Do we add sidewalks uh, and other areas like we have done in the past? What activities do we put in Munn Park that would make it uh, more fun to be there? Should there be a building there that might have a restaurant and amenities that uh, make it uh, someplace that you could have cafe kind of overflow? All those kinds of things while we also provide opportunities for our homeless people to be able to uh, spend their day in different places. There is a certain negativeness in the parks if homelessness is in it that makes mothers concerned about having their kids be there. They're just not as comfortable. And so we need to make sure that as we're trying to grow that area in terms of the breadth of use for people, that we're also providing an opportunity to house what are real, um, not house, but you know, provide a venue for meeting what are real issues in the homeless arena for people during the day who we're working with. We have so many great not-for-profit organizations in this city who already work with homelessness, and those aren't the homeless people we're talking about because those people are being attended to. We're talking about the ones who kind of think lingering in the park is the place that they want to hang and stay. So we are look, We have asked our city attorney to look at ordinances that can tighten that up and that would specifically outline parks that as a place not to be able to congregate if you are homeless. And to, but the same time we do that kind of thing, we have to have a place where they can. So uh, there's a recent meeting that Julie and I both mm-hmm. attended that works is working on this and, and working on some of the possibilities. And so I'm encouraged because mm-hmm. I think that's part of what we're going to address, and that will increase 
some of the responsibility and the and hopefully create less negative activities that occur mm-hmm. at, in the night and, and sometimes during the day um, mm-hmm. in, in that area. Yeah. And, and, and as I've always said, you know, it's not a crime to be homeless and no. it's certainly not a crime to sit on a park bench all day if that's what you choose to do. Uh, it's it's for me and, and for many of the downtown businesses, it's less about uh, the presence than it is about the behaviors. The behaviors. Yes. And so right. um, there are certain folks that are just fine and, and they sit on a park bench and they read a book or they talk with their friends and, you know, that's fine. Uh, there's others who do um, undesirable things and uh, won't go into the laundry list of those because mm-hmm. it's probably not appropriate mm-hmm. uh, to talk about. But we see some stuff mm-hmm. and uh, it's uh, it's pretty it can get kind of crazy. And um, and those are you know, those aren't things that necessarily even the, the passerby would see. But when you're there day after day after day, um, you you sort of get impacted by these um, negative behaviors. Yes. And um, so, yeah, we're just trying to figure out a way to make the park uh, something that we all can share. And I think a lot of people feel like it's dominated by one particular uh, group. And so, you know, we want to sort of figure out a way to balance that without making that group feel like they're completely unwelcome. Anyone's welcome as long as they can have the proper behaviors. Correct. <laughs> you got it. She nailed so, it. so yeah, I, and I think I think this is a longer discussion about you know what what should happen in Mun Park in terms of the amenities. Uh, a lot of people have reached out to me, obviously, mm-hmm. because they want to yes, throw the throw their opinion my way. And um, but a lot of the people that I would say there's a good portion of people that have have sent me comments that don't ever come to Mun Park. So, you know, I'm like, well, keep it like it is, but you're not coming. So, you know, how is it you 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 like the way it is from afar? Like I don't I don't understand that sort of connection there. Well, we can mire in our memories sometimes. <laughs> and and that keeps us from moving mm. forward. And so um we have the responsibility to make this a vital space and and um I'll pivot off of this for just a second. So this is an area where it may seem like we're trying to be intolerant. Um, we're not. We're going. We're just trying to reposition and provide solutions. There is an area where I want to be intolerant, and it, <laughs> and it is on mold in homes <laughs> and landlords who don't want to correct it and threaten the tenant that if you complain about it to someone, I'm going to raise your rent so you can't afford to live here and evict them. Yeah, that's and awful. It's dreadful. And so – Fortunately, there is actually a state ordinance being considered in this session on this. But if it doesn't come through, we're going to work on our own ordinance Mm. and try and uh, tighten it so that if someone claims that they have a mold issue and we go and verify it, they can't be evicted. Mm -hmm. And the landlord is going to be held accountable for the repair, and we're not going to play this game anymore. And then if you don't like being that kind of a slum landlord in Lakeland, Mm -hmm. go somewhere else with your your property, sell it to somebody who will be responsible. But in general, just sort of playing off of the mold issue, I mean, there are lots of um, sort of internal uh, complaints by tenants that I guess people feel like if they complain about any of those things that that they could risk being um, evicted. And in this environment, that's a pretty scary prospect. It's, It's scary because the landlord knows that if they evict them, they'll get higher rents. Right. So they know because the market is so tight, they know all they have to do is evict them and then they can make – if they thought, huh, I should have rented that for more money than I did, 
then they can. Mm -hmm. And so we do want to make sure we're trying to protect people and the stability along those things without having to do rent caps, which, you know, every time the government gets involved in trying to, (laughs) you know, put caps on things, Mm -hmm. you mess it up because of unintended consequences. Right. So supply is the way that you manage this problem best. And supply allows us to bring people to our city that, are going to add to its contributions and growth and education and, and, and job opportunities in the future. So all of that feeds us right. But in the meantime, if there's an abhorrent condition, we're and, and that's the response from a landlord, we want to hold landlords accountable. Excellent. Well, we look forward to watching the legislature and see if they mm-hmm. uh, follow through on that. And then otherwise, we'll hold you yes. accountable. We're going to work. Uh, we have a wonderful <laughs> city man or uh, city uh, attorney who is – cautiously careful. And, and so I'd put a little hand in my back in, in the middle of his back in the process. Yes. All right. Well, we still have to talk noise ordinance. So we've got one more segment. So stick with us. We'll return with Mayor Mutz. We're back with Mayor Mutz. Time has flown by. Never have enough time on the clock to talk with the mayor. He's so uh, so insightful. She just means I talk a lot. <laughs> well, that too. Um, <laughs> but it's always good. It's always good chatting with you. You have uh, you're so you you have such wise ways about you, and I appreciate that. Uh, you talk me off my ledge many oh, good, times. Good, good, many good, times. Good. That's why you're that's on speed dial. That's why we're team. <laughs> we're team. So um, the last topic, and then if we have any time after this, we can certainly bring up other things. But I wanted to talk about the noise ordinance because um, I feel like it's very outdated uh, and it doesn't address um, at least the the changes in downtown with the number of events that we have and the fact that people rent rent a space and they pay for that space and they um, you know basically lease it from the city and then someone can just pop up next to them and blare you know music or whatever and interfere with uh, you know the the peace and serenity and or even the music from that adjacent event that paid to be there. I think when this noise ordinance was written, there was no such thing as portable amplifiers. Right. <laughs> and there and so, yeah, I, I've talked with the city attorney and I, I feel like he's uh, supportive. And um, and I know that I've asked uh, my farmers market vendors to reach out to city commissioners with, and they have because I've seen mm-hmm. some of those responses. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts well, we have several things that are happening that we have to take <laughs> into consideration. You know, let's take three of them. One is vehicles, and so this is the person that's next to you, and all of a sudden you're just having this nice moment at a stoplight when all of a sudden you have music permeating your car that you had never heard before. <laughs> and, and you look to see if you turned something on, and you didn't. But that's because there's a woofer in the back seat that's the size of the back seat of that yeah. car next to you, and they are... Um, assuming that everyone would appreciate the fact that they have invested in their sound system. <laughs> when in fact... Such a politically correct way of saying it. <laughs> that's not actually an accurate fact. <laughs> and so um, those ordinances exist today that we can arrest those individuals who are doing that. But when they see a police car, they always turn their sound down. Mm-hmm. That has to be measured and that we have the ability to measure that sound in each of the vehicles. And if we have an, a decibel rate that is adequately high, and it would be in that scenario for sure, um, they're arrestable. 
um, and they're and they are fined. Um, that's so. That's one issue. The second issue is that we have people who really think that they have a compelling uh, thought that they <laughs> believe other people should have as well, and so they stand on corners and use uh, speakers to tell them uh, decisions <laughs> that they should make, or maybe even judge them on things that they don't really have any prerogative to make those <laughs> choices about, but they want to share. So they're they're missional in their motivation. They have an mm-hmm. intentionality. You know, let's assume it's driven by morality, and uh, the, and they want to share, and they do that nobly in the presence of other people who didn't come to hear any of that. Mm-hmm. And so, farmers market has had that problem recently, mm-hmm. and we have addressed that problem. Mm-hmm. And um, that's not appropriate. We we want venues that people can enjoy being in the venues, and we've had um, it well intentioned people. I'm not going to. You can't spend any time on somebody's intentions. It's the thoughtlessness, it's the selfishness and concept of my what I have to say is more important than what anybody else is doing, mm-hmm. and that's and we just don't want an environment for that. So, right. and, and people didn't come downtown. And by the way, you end up running people off of coming downtown, so they'd have less people to listen to. There's other ways they can do that. I would recommend that person, for example, get a tent, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in the farmers market and pass out materials mm-hmm. if they want to pass out materials. That's not allowed, by okay. the way. Okay, well then they can then, do that at then, First Friday, but they can't do that. First at the Friday, farmer's we'll go market. to First Friday and, and not do it at farmers <laughs> There's market. There's lots so. of that at First Friday. <laughs> okay, so I got I stand corrected <laughs> again, and so um, uh, then that's then that's a way that they can do that. Let's be practical and thoughtful and intentional, and then uh, uh, take those next steps. The third one is that we have people now that have neighbor disputes mm. and really don't like maybe their neighbor across the street or next to them that are setting up huge speakers at 10 o'clock at night, blaring them at other houses, you know, That's just rude. because it's so rude. And so, and of course the neighbor calls the police and the police come, the people are watching for that. They have nothing on by the mm-hmm. time the police get there. Uh, but we have the repetitive instances. And so we are working on all three of how, how can we manage, make certain that we are using the ordinances well enough that exist as well as tightening them up in ways that can uh, help solve those problems. So the ordinance process, I mean, if you're looking at one, you might look at a couple just for good measure because they have to go through this whole process. Correct. What is the process for changing uh, an ordinance? So we, so first of all, we wanted to create ordinances that will not have to be legally tested by an appellate court. Right. So ideally, you want to create an ordinance off of one that has been already created from another city <laughs> and ha- was tested. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's yeah, the idea. Absolutely. In some cases, those exist, and in some cases, they don't. Right. So then, if we are speculating on a portion of that, then that's going to be something that maybe will need to be tested on a longer term basis, and. Um, that costs us money as a city mm-hmm. to do. It's not that it's just, okay, well, let's write it and do it. You know, we have to think about the money that we're going to spend. And so our city attorney is appropriate in as much as he's, they take, takes a lot of fact gathering. So um, that's where we are. That's where we are in the process. And, and then in the meantime, we need to use what we have and find ways to make it less fun for them to play music for us than it is to pay fines to the city. Mm-hmm. And and um, that LPD is actively already trying to do, and they're making arrests. So that's increasing. It's not necessarily that you ever see that. You know, we were listening, we were at a lunch today, and we were just listening to the cases of arrests mm-hmm. that were made on 
um, by our detectives and our LPD forces on drug arrests and gang arrests that we really don't even know about mm -hmm. to, that took place at the quantities mm -hmm. that those that was some staggering numbers. Yeah, those were those were the, these guys are not twiddling their thumbs. Mm -mm. So we've got a great police force. Listen, they work wonderfully well. We have, like it or not, we have increasingly thoughtless, selfish people in our society. And, the, and many of them really didn't grow up with mores and standards mm -hmm. in the homes that they came through that we have to help finish the parenting. Mm -hmm. It does take a village. Mm -hmm. It does. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so you're moving into areas you didn't used to. It's why colleges go five years, you know, because we don't get the schooling necessarily mm -hmm. all done by the time you go to high school. And so, the first year of college is remedial, just to get people on, <laughs> just to get them on on par. Yeah. And so we we have to just slow ourselves down enough to go. You know, we had these conversations educationally just the other day with Superintendent Hyde. But don't graduate people from third grade to fourth grade, mm -hmm. or or not graduate, but, you know, move them if they can't read. Mm -hmm. Hold them in third grade until they can read, then move them to fourth grade because that break point is huge and really start to talk about academies in fourth grade because and, – and then on so that you can give this broad career exposure. Yeah. Well – don't even get me started on education. That's a whole, <laughs> that's a whole different show. <laughs> yes, it is. And you're well-versed in it. Yes. Uh, I live with someone even more well-versed. Yes, I know. That's so. what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> so um, final thoughts. So we only have about a minute or so left. Is there any, you know, you've got the microphone, you've got this captive audience. What do you want Lakelanders to, to know the most? That the best days are ahead. I absolutely believe we are on the throes of watching this uh, city and this community really become a thriving Florida city that we're going to look back at 15, 20 years from now and go, wow, this was done so well. And it is not only in the amenities, but it is in honoring people. And I think our biggest distinction that we do extraordinarily well in light of everything we just talked about is honoring people and making sure that across all sectors of our city, that people are heard, that we do the things that we should do, that we represent their interests, and that they're honored. And you ought to live in a city where you feel that way. And we always will have more work to do in this regard, but I think we are on a great path, and I think it will become a distinctive of our city on a long-term basis. Well, thank you for your service and the commissioner's service. I know you guys are working hard every day with all of that in mind, and, uh, and that's all that we can ask for. Great. So I appreciate it's you. our privilege. Thank you for listening to our conversation with Mayor Mutz, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Thanks, everyone. Mm -hmm.